Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. First-time listeners, welcome. Those of you that have been rocking with me from the beginning, really appreciate you guys uh, supporting um, what a week, man. Um, this is my final week at work for the rest of the year. Actually, Wednesday is going to be my last day. So really looking forward to that. Not only that, but Wednesday is the first day of the early signing period. So um, looking to close out this week strong at work as well as FSU hopefully closing strong on the recruiting trail. But um, man, it's um it's exciting times and I um I was just on social media on Twitter just then and um I'm seeing the coaches doing the eye emojis and it's like eye emoji season. This it's hilarious to to see uh how how the fan base reacts um uh, whenever the coaches, you know, I'm sure they probably like just get a kick out of, Hey man, I watch. Hey, let's do this and see how everybody reacts. I, I, I promise they probably do that sometimes. Um but um, you know, we'll see if there's anything too all of the the emojis and and all all that good stuff, but um, a lot of stuff to 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 go over. Um, going back a couple of days, um, so before we get into that, I want to go ahead and um, shout out our sponsor, um, uh, BetOnline.ag. Um, those of you that are into betting, uh, make sure you head over to the site and um, sign up today and receive your fifty percent um, welcome bonus on your first deposit. Um, just use our promo code Believe Fifty. That's B L E A V Fifty to receive your bonus. Um, if you guys are or into betting on the UFC, there was um, a fight this past weekend that had um, Juliana Pena against uh, Amanda Nunes, and I think the last time I saw the odds on um, Pena, who was the underdog, she was plus seven hundred. Um, you know, like the day of the fight, which meant if you bet $100 on her and she won, you know, you would win $700. Um, well, that was the case. She defeated uh, Amanda Nunez um, by second round submission, I think it was. And you can actually live bet in MMA. And after the first round, um, Nunez was uh, an 1100 betting favorite, meaning if you had bet $100 on uh, Pena, you would have won $1,100. How crazy is that? Um, so um, shout out to the sponsor, um, betonline.ag. Head over there if you're into that. But, um, man, a lot to cover. Um, I want to go back a few days with um, Malcolm Alford being uh, named the athletic director at FSU. Um, you know, that's a move that, I was hoping that they would make um, before they had the you know saga with the Louisville, uh, or I guess just to say former Louisville athletic director um, Vince Tyra. Um, but Malcolm Alford is a is a good choice. You know he's a guy. You know I think 
you know, FSU hasn't had a, a real AD in probably like a decade. And so whenever, you, whenever you know, you're looking at an AD, you know, if you're a football school, you, you definitely want the AD to, to put football first. And that was not the case with um, Stan Wilcox. Um, and, of course, I don't, you know, I don't really count David Coburn because he, he was kind of there for just to kind of hold things in the road until they actually could hire an AD. But, you know, I think Michael Alford understands the importance of football and he obviously understands the importance of, of fundraising. And more importantly, um, you know, he got he got to FSU, you know, in time enough to see what Mike Novell inherited as a program. And so that's that's going to be big, you know, because he he understands, you know, the challenge or, you know, or the challenge that the, the staff faced or faces with, you know, um, changing the culture of the program, getting the players in that they need to to get to where they need to get to, and you know Alfred, you know he came in and really really energized the fan base, a fan base that you know just you know I mean the program, the football program just you know wasn't doing well, and so of course whenever a program isn't doing well, you know people are not going to be energized to give money and things like that, but um, Alfred came in and his team. And he, he brought some good people with him. And, um, you know, they, they just took a, a grassroots approach to um, contacting people individually and explaining to them how becoming a booster would impact things. And, you know, they were able to, in, in one year, um, really, really uh, energize the fan base and, and, and get the booster levels back up to – um, where they were kind of around the time when FSU was, you know, <laughs> competing for national championships. And, um, you know, the challenge that Alfred has is, you know, he's going to do a national search for someone to replace him as the booster CEO. And, you know, that's going to be important. I wrote about this on Chop Chat. That's going to be important because Alfred kind of set, you know, set the standard as far as, you know, e expectations and, and raising money and, as far as the boosters go and so you know he can just point directly to look this is what i did in year one to whomever he hires in a ceo role and so he can kind of hold their feet to the fire to meet or and or surpass that standard and um of course you know he has a background in um you know building facilities you know he did it at central michigan um and he has experience at oklahoma and um, also background with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, he talks about that, you know, he did a ton of, um, podcasts and interviews, um, over the past year, which is a big credit to him because that kind of put him in the good graces of, of everyone, you know, they kind of saw he was, you know, pretty much open and willing to, to talk to any and everybody. And I think people kind of really took a liking to that, um, being that, you know, he was pretty transparent about where they were. Um, as far as the number of boosters that they had and where they needed to get to, and so I think that's what really um, garnered a lot of a lot of support for him uh, in the athletic uh, director position. And so whenever it, you know it, it first came out that you know he really wasn't the number one guy, so to speak, you know you kind of had like wow there was a little bit of backlash there. And so whenever it became apparent that um, the guy from Louisville that wasn't going to work out, you know they pretty much immediately. Um, you know, Alfred was the man. And so, 
he accepted the position. And so I think that is a big plus for FSU uh, moving forward. Um, you know, so he's uh, going to formally start on um, January 3rd, I think it is, and uh, he can get the ball rolling from there. And it was funny, I saw that, um, I, I can't remember, it, it may have been, it may have been Kenyatta Watson um, or it was Ryan Barto, one of the two, um, they tweeted a picture. It was both of them with uh, Michael Alford. And I guess they had gone to dinner or something. <laughs> and I was like, man, I was like, yeah, both of you guys need to stay close to him so you can relay exactly what we need to get us back to the top because, you know, that you, you're going to need an athletic director who's going to be willing to, you know, invest in the program and understand that football is king. Football rules everything. You know, if football does well, everybody else can eat and kind of go from there. And, you know, and it's kind of crazy because I was thinking about it last week whenever the women's uh, soccer team, you know, was competing for the national title. And, and, and shout out to those ladies um, and coach because those, I mean, man, you talk about, you talk about dominating um, three national titles in eight years. That's impressive, and hats off to them. Congratulations for that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, as dominant as they as they have been, and then you look at basketball, as dominant as basketball, say, had been over Florida. They had won, you know, I know they lost the last outing against them, but they won seven, seven straight games against them. And, you know, of course, baseball, you know, uh, Meat has done well against Florida, and, and they swept Miami um, this past year in their series, and it's like, Eh, that, really, that doesn't really move the needle. It's like football moves the needle when it comes to, you know, trash talk or whatever. You know, you could bring up whatever you want to as far as baseball and basketball or who won a national title in soccer, but it just doesn't move the, move the needle like football. So, you know, that's, you know, that's another reason why um, football is king. So I think FSU is in, in, in good hands moving forward with that. It'll be interesting to see – um, what changes um, Alfred makes? Um, I think I think most of the structural changes that needed to be made probably have been made. The importance of Seminole boosters not working independently from the athletics department is big. You know that that happened. That change happened over last year, and so and and again, so whoever Alfred hires in that CEO role, you know they can kind of work hand in hand together. You know, and then you know, and I think that'll make things. Um, much more smoother than they have been in years past whenever those two entities were um, operating separately. And I think with Alfred being the AD and then whomever he hires, you know, they'll, they'll all be on the same page as far as the same vision, same goals. And so um, shout out to Michael Alfred. I'm looking forward to see um, w what he does as the new athletic director. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is um, the – uh, promotion of Randy Shannon to co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach, and it seems like it seems like there's kind of um, I don't know, kind of split down the middle a little bit. You know, some people wanted someone different. Some people were were happier and excited with the with the move. I thought, considering the timing of of the news of Marv getting the defensive coordinator position at uh, Virginia Tech, that the move to make uh, Randy Shannon co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach was was probably the smartest move that Mike Novell could make because 
with the timing of everything, you know, Randy Shannon, you know, he, he didn't get here until earlier this year. And, um, you know, if you didn't promote him, then it's, you know, who, who are you going to hire to replace him? It's going to be someone new, um, that in, you know, you have to hope that they gel with, uh, Adam Fuller. Um, the players are going to have to learn him, you know, uh, just as they did with Marv and, um, you, you you would hope that he you know he's a good good recruiter with some some Florida ties. And the thing with Shannon is you know he's already there. You know he reportedly has a good working relationship with Adam Fuller. Um, obviously, um, you know I'm fine with him as a linebackers coach. Um, I, I don't think I would want him to be the the only defensive coordinator. Being co defensive coordinator, I think that that really is probably just entitled. Um, I'm sure, you know, he'll he'll work, continue to work hand-in-hand hand with Adam Fuller, but, you know, it'll be Adam Fuller, you know, making a calls during the game more than likely. And um, so you got somebody that can that can develop linebackers. You saw um, Kalen Deloach's father, um, Mr. Deloach, co-sign Randy Shannon. And, um, you know, and we saw the development from Kalen Deloach uh, over this past year. And um, so, and then looking at the recruiting aspect of it, you know, I, I know a lot of people were like, well, you know, who who did, um, you know, Randy Shannon bring in? You know, we, they weren't able to land Wesley Besaint, even though Shannon supposedly has South Florida ties and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I look at it this way, and I wrote about this um, on Chop Chat, too. If you didn't get a chance, you can check it out, um, where I talk about the uh, impact of um, – the promotion of Randy Shannon. Um, FSU offered 25 linebackers in this recruiting cycle, and really, there were only there were less than 10 that were realistic targets, I would say. And you know, really, it came down to about five or six. And Basinth was the the highest ranked of them. Um, and I think he wound up finishing overall the number 196 recruit, you know, and like number 16 linebacker overall. So he's, you know, he's a good, you know, four-star player. But as I as I said in uh, the last podcast, you know, he's not he's not an elite player. None of the linebackers that they were in play for were, I would, you know, they were they weren't elite players. And so moving forward, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, you got to compete with Miami and Cristobal and yada yada yada. And, you know, I mean, I look at it this way. I mean, FSU is going to run a 4-2-5 for the most part. So you, you're only going to have two linebackers on the field. Um, yes, there's a need. They're going to have to go to the transfer portal to, to meet that need. Um, this recruiting cycle. But moving forward, you know, I, I'm confident that Randy Shannon can get um, a quality, you know, a couple of quality linebackers in the next recruiting cycle. You know, he – you know he had he'll have a full um, recruiting cycle to to make that happen. Whereas you know he didn't join the staff until I mean the 22 um, recruiting cycle was well underway whenever he joined the staff um, eight months ago. So he'll have a full recruiting recruiting cycle to um, you know get out there and and I've, I'm sure I haven't looked it up, but I'm sure they've probably already offered um, one, a couple of linebackers for 23 and 24. Um, you know, so the challenge is, you know, he doesn't have to get, you know, elite players. I mean, obviously, if you can get elite players, you, you can't, you want to. But, 
you know, as long as he's able to to continue to raise the floor um, and get, you know, quality, quality, you know, blue chips in from either Florida or Georgia, then, you know, that's fine. Um, FSU is not going to be competing for a national title, you know, next year, anything like that. But the goal is, you know, hopefully the product that they put on the field in 2022 is a continued improved product over this past year. Okay, and so it kind of go, goes hand in hand. You know, once you begin to elevate the program, you're, you know, you're winning eight, nine, ten or more games. That's that's what's going to unlock that door down to, to, to South Florida, you know, because every, every, everybody in South Florida can't sign with Miami. You know, um, everybody can't sign with Alabama. Uh, Alabama. Everybody can't sign with Georgia. And so it's, it's, it's about going in there, doing your homework, setting up that linebacking board and, you know, really, really honing in on, you know, who, who you want, but also, but also not limiting it. You know, I think they kind of pigeonhole themselves a little bit this, this year, um, you know, by, by really only having, you know, a handful of realistic targets. I mean, they, you know, they offered a number of guys that, are out, that were out of state. And uh, I just think it's smarter to to concentrate uh, in in Florida, Georgia, you know, um, in in places like that where you probably you have a, a better uh, you know chance of, of getting those guys. So um, I I think the the move with Shannon is fine, um, and you have that continuity. You know, the players you know reportedly like him, and you know it's just going to come down to just keeping that continuity and keep developing the players that you do have. Um, and like I said, hopefully they can, you know, he can work some magic in the portal, get uh, two guys from the portal and, um, and then, and then go from there. And speaking of linebacker play, I'm, I'm going to move on to um, the news of Amari Gaynor coming back for the 2022 season, which is big. I know some people thought he may declare for the draft. Um, you know, I think it speaks to, um, the players' belief in Mike Norvell and his vision um, to come back. You know, we saw um, Robert Cooper come back um, last week. And so, you know, that's good. That's a lot of experience coming back for um, Randy Shannon and um, Adam Fuller on the defensive end. Um, Gaynor led the team in tackles in 2020, and I think he finished fifth uh, on the team in tackles um, this past year. Um, I guess the the role that he has in 2022 is the biggest question, and I think he's you know he's a tweener as I wrote um, you know in the post about him staying. You know I think he needs to add a little bit of weight, five ten pounds, and probably move on to that edge rusher position, especially since that's going to be a position where they need bodies. You know they're going to need they're going to need to attack that with um, with numbers probably because I, I don't see them replicating the reduction that Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas gave them. But at least he's a body there, you know, physical guy that that's pretty good coming downhill or or whenever he knows where the ball is, you know, he he can you know he can, he'll swarm to the ball pretty good. So um, that's that's big time. That's good for the defense that should return. You know, almost everyone. Um, they're still waiting on Fabian Lovett to you know announce what he's going to do as well as Jamie Robinson. But when you look at um, all of those guys coming back. Um, you know, defensive line outside of defensive end, you know, uh, that's a lot of continuity there, along with all of the um, Sam McCall, Travis Hunter, those guys coming in. Um, Isaiah Thomas 
um, potentially. You know, defenses defenses um, should be should be ready to take another step forward, um, and if they can land you know a couple quality guys on the edge from the portal, then um, I think I think we'll see this defense continue to evolve. Then uh, right after that, we saw Jayshon Corbin uh, declare for the NFL draft, and as I wrote on ChopChat.com, I thought that was you know probably the right move for him. He's a guy that's been dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, you know, he was he ran hard um, this year, and um, I thought he was going to have a shot of reaching a thousand yards, a thousand rushing yards, and he finished uh, 113 yards short. And you saw, I even I remember tweeting about it uh, in the last couple of games. You saw that he just didn't have the burst that he had earlier in the year, and I think he I think he got hurt. Uh, I think it was the NC State game. I think it was an ankle or, or something like that. He just he just didn't seem to have that same burst that he had earlier in the year. And so, um, you know, he had the bad hamstring injury when he was at A&M, and really he was still trying to recover from that injury while he was playing last year. And you did see that burst come back um, early in the year. You know, you saw the long run against Notre Dame in the opener, and he had a couple of other um, long runs for touchdowns. And so, you know, he's, he's not getting any younger. He's probably not going to increase his draft stock much if at all if he decides to come back and plus if he comes back and then you're running the risk of you know getting injured again so if he goes and um he's able to get drafted and you know gets with a in the right spot you know he could potentially um you know get to that second contract the second nfl contract quicker and um, then hopefully be set for life um and even if even if he signs as a an nfl free agent um he probably is you know he's going to make more money that way than he would uh, coming back to um, Florida State, so um, good on good on Jashon Corbin, man. Guy ran hard, um, phew, man. It, you know he was uh, he was a Seminole through and through, and uh, I think that probably means that FSU will need to take uh, a running back from the transfer portal if you know they don't land Javante Barnes. And if you saw my mock class. Um, for 2022, um, you do not see Javante Barnes listed there. Um, but, you know, uh, Corbin, that news with Corbin, you know, that could be, you know, that may move the needle a little bit. Um, you know, they could say, hey, look, Corbin was our leading rusher. As a matter of fact, Corbin had more rushing yards than Treshawn Ward, um, Toa Philly, and DJ Williams combined. Right. So you could look. He, the, the featured back is gone. You know, you know, you could come in and you could be, you could potentially be the guy, you know, if you put the work in. Um, because I don't believe Treshawn Ward is a number one back. Treshawn has a really good patience. Um, he um, does a really good job of cutting back. And, um, you know, he runs hard. He does not, he does not have that extra gear, though. You know, I remember a couple of times this year where, you know, he got hogged down from behind. Um, whereas, you know, a, a number one back would have, um, you know, taken that thing to the house for a touchdown. Um, so, you know, if you can get a guy that is um, that has a higher, you know, a higher upside from the portal, then I think they should definitely do it um, because, you know, they lost a lot of a lot of production from Corbin. Um, like I said, those three guys combined did not match his production rushing. So. I think um, if they don't get Barnes, who was the only semi-realistic target left um, out of high school, then they probably need to, um, you know, look at somebody from the portal. And man, listen, guys are hitting the transfer portal 
like man like like salmon swimming upstream upstream to spawn it's it's crazy how many guys are entering the portal so um they should be able to um to get about a guy from there i believe um the next thing is um everything that was on everybody's mind today um kenny dillingham getting the offer from oregon and um you know from reports i saw um people were saying that they were expecting uh, a decision to be made this morning this monday morning um, whether he was going to stay or go and you know i tweeted this morning i said um the longer this, the longer this goes um the more i, I lean towards dylan him staying and i can see the pros and cons of of him leaving you know if i, I tweeted that if he left you know it would, it would be because he would want to you know he would want his own offense and you know he wouldn't want to get you know all the credit for the offense you know right now you know he's the offensive coordinator he he does call the majority of the plays but you know it's there's still the perception out there that it's Mike Norville's offense and and it is you know it's his scheme i mean Dillingham is has learned from Mike Norville and if he were to go to Oregon with um Dan Lenning then of course you know he could call the plays he can you know basically have you know free will to do whatever and I'm sure um, they're offering a, a pay um, increase as well. But if you look at Oregon's, if you look at Oregon's offense, you, he, you know he's basically he's basically repeating. He would be repeating what he just experienced at FSU. Um, you got a transition class. You know they lost the quarterback that they had committed. Um, the quarterbacks that they have on the roster are projects. They're not. They're not very good. And matter of fact, that's one reason why Michael Pittman wanted to leave Oregon because they just did not have good quarterback play um, once um, Justin Herbert left. And so, you know, yes, you would get a, a, a pay increase, but, you know, a lot of people are saying if he goes to Oregon, that would expedite, you know, him potentially becoming a head coach down the road. And I look at it this way. I'm saying, well, if he stays at FSU, undoubtedly the, the offense should be better um, you know, this coming year than it was last year. Um, you know, you, you've helped to um, develop Jordan Travis. Um, yeah, you're losing Corbin, but, I mean, you know, not saying in running back position is easy to, you know, replace people, but, I mean, we've seen freshmen come in and, you know, and, and, and play well. Uh, we saw uh, Damian Webb come in from the, 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 the JUCO ranks last year, and, you know, he was arguably the best running back in 2020. You know, and so, um, you, you know, you're going to have hopefully, well, I think you'll have an improved off offensive line. Jordan Travis, you know, should be a better player. You know, hopefully you can get some help at the receiver position. And, you know, I think, you know, the offense was a top 40 offense with, you know, arguably no NFL players on on the roster. You know, I know a few guys have declared and we'll see if they get drafted, but you just didn't have a whole lot of talent on the side of the ball, and they still had a top forty offense. And so, if you if, if you if you have another another year of continuity, um, you know those guys continue to develop. You know, I think there's a good shot. You know, after this year, that he would have more opportunities to to go to a better position in Oregon and not have to go through another transition class and you know um, have to you know, take you know some project quarterbacks and try to you know spend two and three two and three years to develop them 
Um, so we'll see. Um, you know, I know they're saying now that um, a decision won't come about until after the the early signing period. And, you know, I, I don't know what the thinking is there. Um, part of me wants to believe that, you know, um, you know, they want to, they want to, he wants to respect, you know, Mike Novell and, you know, and help bring in the guys that he's been recruiting. Um, at the end of the day, I just hope that they're, you know, he's being transparent with the, with the recruits that he, he has been recruiting with FSU. You know, if, if he just says, Hey, I'm not sure what I want to do, you know, communicate that. If he's staying, communicate that. If he's leaving, communicate that. And I know, um, the way the coaching world works and the way recruits can, you know, just uh, flip or or play recruiting games that, you know, that's not the ideal world to to worry, to worry about, you know, um, you know, principles and and, um, you know, guys just um, integrity and things like that. But, um, you know. You know, it could it could impact recruiting um, because Dillingham has has spent a lot of time, um, you know, with um, you know um, Pittman. You know, he's been to you know been out west you know a couple of times to recruit him. Um, you know, Kevin Coleman, and um, you know, hopefully though, um, you know, they're just communicating with everyone and everybody is. You know, I, I would hate for a guy to think he's going to you know come you know come play somewhere. And, and sign, you know, and then, um, you know, that, that coach decides to, to say, yeah, I'm heading out. I appreciate it. I'm out, you know, so um, we'll see. Um, you know, like I said, I, you know, the longer, the longer he stays, though, I think, you know, you, you know, you got the players there that you have a relationship with. I mean, my God, he's got a closet, a closet full of Jordan Travis, uh, Jordan Travis gear, um, you know, supporting supporting his guy, and um, you know, and I'm sure there's an emotional attachment to you know he's he's been with Jordan the last two years and seen him develop, and it's almost like part of if it were me, you know, and obviously I'm not dealing with him, but I would kind of want to be like, man, you know, I really want to see this kid through. I want to see what he can he can become, um, you know, since they you know he has so much faith in him, um, because you know FSU FSU could could be a you know a top 30 a top 25 offense next year um depending on you know how things shake out and um you know so it's it just um it's just a weird situation um with them delaying you know what's going to happen um one thing i have noticed though is um going back to the coaches well not all but a few of the coaches you know posting on social media um with the eye emojis and everything and dillingham is really good at playing the social media game but I did notice that he he has um, he has not tweeted since. Let me look this up. He has not tweeted since December the 11th, um, and he retweeted something. And he retweeted um, Ryan Bartow um, posted positive vibes with a million um, kebabs, FSU kebabs, and uh, but he hasn't tweeted since then. And we've seen, so if I go and and look at, <laughs> I'm just being like conspiracy theorists now. If I go and look at um, Alex Atkins, you know, um, when Ja'Shawn Corbin announced 
um, he was going to go to the NFL. You know, Coach Atkins, you know, gave him a, a check, a check mark and a money bag sign. Um, you know, we've seen, um, you know, I would think that, you know, Dillingham would um, would at least recognize that too. So I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but um, he, just, he just hasn't been on social media um, or he hasn't posted on social media um, since December, December 11th. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. You know, if he doesn't post anything between now and Wednesday or during Wednesday, whenever um, you know, guys are signing, that could be a sign, you know, that he, um, you know, he's, he's looking, looking to do other things. So we'll see, you know, it's Mike Norvell's scheme. Uh, Dillingham isn't, you know, irreplaceable or anything like that. Um, Mike Norvell's had high, um, high octane offenses whenever uh, Dillingham was the OC at Auburn. You remember um, Dillingham left Mike Norvell, went to go be the OC at Auburn. Then when Novell came to FSU, then Dillingham came back um, with uh, Mike Novell. So it wouldn't be the first time that he's left um, Novell, um, but at the same time, um, he left to go work for um, what's my dude? That is now the he used to be the coach at Auburn. Uh, name escapes me right now, but he's at UCF now. Um, you know, so we'll see. Um, if he stays, it's good for continuity. Um, if he leaves, I would like to see um, Norvell probably promote Alex Atkins. Um, Atkins has OC experience. Um, and then hopefully they could go out and and bring in another recruiter. They need another recruiter on the staff, especially somebody with um, ties to Florida and Georgia. Um, they, they need help on the trails because, you know, Dugan's, you know, he, he – He's not – we'll see how it shakes out, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with there. And uh, Thompson, you know, he's not he's not a recruiter, really. Fuller, you know, he's okay, but he's not – you know, he's not a dynamic, you know, bring, bring elite-type kids in either. Um, so they need another recruiter, so Dilly does leave, and he does do – you know, he does grind on the trails, and um, he does good on the trails. So they'll need to replace him if he leaves with – another recruiter and um moving Atkins to OC would you know kind of lock him up and keep him you know keep him you know in FSU for at least another year or so because um, that's probably going to be the next move for him and somebody's probably going to come for him as an OC and then probably as a head coach after a year or two so if you go ahead and, and move him to OC that keeps him uh, locked up in Tallahassee for uh the, at least the next couple of years but um Last thing I want to touch on is the um, the mock um, recruiting class I released um, Monday morning, and let me see if I can pull that up here. Feel pretty good. A lot of people were messaging me, uh, asking me even before I posted the um, the mock class, you know how I felt, and I feel pretty good um, about everything, really. And I kind of gave my reasons for each recruit that I had listed there. And, you know, I know some people, if they don't land all the guys that, that I listed here, I know some people will be disappointed and say the staff sucks and all that good stuff. But, you know, we got you got to remember, guys, FSU started out 0-4, finished 5-7. And, and, 
you know, even, and I tweeted this too, even if they, even if they, um, only sign, um, three of the five guys, and I'm talking high school players, if they only sign three of the five high schools that I had listed and don't sign any of the high school pros prospects, FSU would still have a greater than 50% blue chip ratio. And that's potentially six players in the composite top 130. I mean, you know, and that probably still gives them uh, a, a top 10 class. You know, it, it would depend on there's still some other teams that could add some players in and, you know, and things like that. And any transfers that FSU lands, you know, they won't be counted in that in that final ranking. But, you know, if they got three or five, and I feel pretty good about the three. I feel good about Tyree West. I feel good about Julian Armella. Armella is already talking like he's a, um, a commit, you know, just from some interviews that I saw. And um, what was the other one? Oh, the other one was um, Azariah Thomas, um, the Niceville um, defensive back. And that's a that's a good that's a good get too because you know FSU had been struggling to 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 establish roots out in the Panhandle, so getting a quality guy like that hopefully um, opens up some future opportunities for um, the recruiting staff. You know, um, but Kevin Coleman, you know Kevin Coleman seems to, you know he seems to like to play, he likes to play the the recruiting game it seems, and um, you know who who knows how that's going to shake out with, um, you know, with the Dillingham news, you know, if I, like I said, I listed him, I, you know, listed him as a signee for FSU, um, you know, and that was, you know, if uh, Dillingham stays, you know, he, he visited FSU a couple of times and has been an FSU, you know, lean, so to speak, you know, basically the entire recruiting cycle. And, um, you know, he visited Oregon, but, you know, he's not going to go to Oregon, um, because you know the guy that was recruiting him out there is no longer there. Um, Cristobal would be the only tie he had to Oregon, and did, but we did see that he visited Miami this past weekend, and that's the first and only time that he's visited Miami, um, as far as I could tell. And you know, and so you got to look at it and you say, okay, well, is is that one visit enough to, with Miami not hiring an OC, is that enough? to get him to go to um to Miami. You know, I I wouldn't think so. You know, um I don't think he had any family to visit with him down in Miami, whereas he had family that to visit with him when he came to, to FSU. Um and I think I think they came both times with him, you know, so usually whenever a recruit visits somewhere like that and they don't bring any family with them, usually it's it's just for fun just to have a good time, you know, um, you know, usually they need to at least have one parent, mom, mom or dad or guardian or whomever with them. Um, and I didn't see any reports of him bringing family with him. So, um, I just think it was, you know, it was for, you know, just to, to, to take a visit. Um, you know, he visited USC, but you know, he's, I don't think he's going to USC. So, We'll see how it shakes out. Um, I still, you know, if Dillahan remains with FSU, I still, I still feel pretty confident. Although, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, did something else. Um, he just seems like a kid that that likes to, to play the game as well. And then, lastly, you know, talking to um, or talking about uh, Marvin Jones Jr. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people 
to just you know automatically just almost seemingly dismiss FSU um, in that recruitment. Um, and I get it, you know, like I said, you're going up against um, you know Nick Saban, and usually when Alabama wants a kid, you know, they get him. And I wouldn't be surprised if Marvin Jones chose Alabama. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, this is this is a different this is a different deal also because you're talking about you're not talking about just uh, any guy that played at FSU. You're talking about arguably, you know, one of the, the greatest of all time to wear the garnet and gold. And I wrote I wrote in that mock that mock um piece that I wrote that I I think, you know, Marvin Jones Sr. is is keenly aware of the perception of the program. Um, you know, he's been very outwardly, you know, vocal on social media um, towards uh, Mike Novell. Um, even when things weren't going well, you know, he was, you know, he was, you know, he was still being real positive, you know, you know, co-signing the staff that they were doing the right thing and they were going to turn things around, so to speak. And I know he says that he's going to allow his son to make his own decision, and, and I believe he will. But, I, you know, I just I just have to believe that, you know, he's, he's going to have a conversation with him as well and explain to him, look, son, you know, you can go anywhere, any of these schools, Georgia, Alabama, wherever, you can go anywhere and you can be successful. Um, it doesn't matter where you go because you're that type of player. You know, and um, you, we saw that um, senior tweeted out a couple of weeks ago. He was like, you know, recruits, you need to go where where you're needed. Um, and and damn sure, Skippy, um, FSU needs Marvin Jones, like Marvin Jones Jr. Like, I mean, they need him in the worst way. And I feel like the coaching staff has done everything that they could do, you know, to to sign him. Um, if they don't sign him, I, it is not it is not you know a lack of effort on their behalf. You know that that kid just I think if he goes somewhere else, I think he just does not want to you know follow in his dad's you know footsteps or shadow or whatever. You know he kind of want to recruit his you know he want to you know do his own thing and and the coaching staff has recruited him as such. You know they haven't really concentrated on the legacy aspect. And um, I don't know, man. I just feel I just feel like senior senior um, is is I don't know. I just got a, a gut feeling that you know Jones Jr. You know he's not committal to any of the programs. You know, he kind of says the right things. He holds everything close to the vest. But I just feel like it's one of those things where you know his signing is not until late in the day, and um, you know everybody really does not expect him to sign with FSU even though, you know, he's a huge legacy recruit. And it just feels like, you know, he's, you know, he's he understands that, man, you know, I could go to Bama, I could go to Georgia, I can go wherever. Um, you know, but if I sign with FSU, that would really send shockwaves through, you know, uh, the college landscape, so to speak. And, you know, who, you know, you know, what kid, what kid want and want that, you know, that attention as well. And, um, you know, and like I said, FSU is the only place that he's visited, um, to my knowledge, three, you know, three separate times this year. He came with his mom on a trip. He came with his dad on a trip. And then he came to the Miami game. 
And that was a game that he watched uh, Jermaine Johnson absolutely destroy, you know, Miami. He saw what the production can be from the defensive end position in Adam Fuller's defense. Uh, he saw the atmosphere, um, you know, 70,000 um, plus at the rivalry game. And, um, you know, like I said, you have to um, – you got the NIL deal there. Um, it may not be able – he may not be able to match, you know, what Bama has for him. But I think, you know, I think it would be worth his while if he chose Tallahassee. So, you know, I don't know. I just um, – I got a good feeling that that he is going to turn some heads and, and choose FSU. Maybe I'm being blindly optimistic. But, you know, in my head, everything I'm saying makes sense, um, you know, and so – you know, we'll see. But if he were to choose FSU and Kevin Coleman were to choose FSU and they land West, uh, Thomas, and Armella, that would be – somebody tweeted me. They said, if we land those those guys, I'm, I would run through a wall. I concur. I would run through a, a wall with you. Um, that would – man, you want to talk about – you want to talk about setting the table for um, the future – uh, along with, you know, Travis Hunter and McCall and um, all of the offensive linemen, A.J. Duffy, you know, man, you you would be setting yourself up for, you know, a real nice, um, you know, m- momentum going into, um, you know, the 2022 season as well as um, the 2023 recruiting class. Uh, now, of course, you would have to, you know, show that improvement, that continued improvement on the field in 2022 and I think they will, you know, just looking at the schedule and, and um, you know, LSU is going probably going to be starting a, um, a, a redshirt um, freshman quarterback with little to no experience or a five-star that's committed to them right now. Um, you know, he's a, he'll be a five-star, but he won't have any experience really in, in their first game of the year, you know. So, um, you know, that's, that's something, you know, that – you know, FSU could conceivably pull off there, and if they start off two or no, you know, you got some confidence going, and then you, you know, you kind of go from there. But, um, but we'll see how everything shakes out. Um, like I said, I expect FSU to at least get three of the five. Although I, you know, I, I predicted, you know, those five guys. Um, again, you know, Coleman and MJJ are the, the two I'm, the least confident in. But at the same time, you know, I think I'm, I've given some good you know, concrete reasoning as to why they, they would choose FSU and, um, and hopefully they will, but, um, I'll probably, um, write something more on the Dillingham situation here, um, for Tuesday morning. So make sure you tune in to chopchat.com for that. Um, we have surpassed 450 followers on Twitter. And so I really appreciate you guys, um, sharing, um, promoting, supporting subscribing downloading all that good stuff um our last episode um was the largest that we've we've ever had so shout out to you guys really appreciate it um it's it's um you know fun getting the questions from you guys seeing you um you know showing interest in in the um in fsu news asking questions we we definitely um appreciate that and um, if you haven't subscribed, this is your first time listening, make sure you go ahead and do that. We um, appreciate um, any any five-star ratings that you can give us on whatever platform that you choose to listen to the podcast. And um, 
we'll probably do another podcast this week. Um, you know, once we see how everything shakes out for the early signing period. So, uh, without further ado, we appreciate you guys and, um, make sure you go and support our sponsor at, um, betonline.ag and, uh, we'll look forward to talking with you soon. Go Nose. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.